It is beautiful outside, is it not? I just want to thank everybody for being with us today. We're going to have a good time in the Word. All I ask is I know many of you mamas are ready to get out of here and go take care of everything you have going on today. But just allow some time for God to do what He wants to do this morning. Because I truly believe that the message that's on my heart is something that can impact a life. It can impact you for eternity if we have ears to hear this morning. The title of the message today is, He is Risen. I love what somebody posted the other day. He's been risen every single day for the last 2,000 years. So this is not like he just rose, but we are remembering today that Christ, the Savior that we live and we serve, that he's alive and well. And he is risen that the foundation of our Christian faith. It truly rests on those three simple words, he is risen. Because unless Jesus rose from the dead, there would be no forgiveness of our sin. Unless Jesus had died and was risen from the dead, there would be no power to live. There would be no freedom from the penalty of sin. There would be no salvation for the souls of all of us in this room. There would not be us. There wouldn't be a church that Jesus gave birth to when he was on that cross. Everything hinges on the truth and the reality that he is risen. Everything. And all of us in this room, every single one of us, are left with those three words confronting each and every one of us. We can't get away from them. Every single one of us are asked the question, if he is risen, then what do I believe? Because now it comes back into your corner of what will you believe if that is true? That he died three days later, he rose again from the dead, was taken up into heaven, sits at the right hand of God. What do I believe? Will I embrace what Christ did for me? Even though I didn't ask for it, even though I don't think that I deserve it or, or even believe it, will I believe what Christ did for me? Or will I continue to live my own life according to my own rules and my own strength? How many have been there before? I talked with a young man. He's in the service today, but I talked to him last week, and he had shared those words with me that he finally came to the point where he's done living for himself according to his own rules and his own strength. Because that gets tiring when you go through life. That gets difficult when you're going through the challenges of life because you don't know where to turn to. I want to start off with this passage. It comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It's not going to, I don't think it's on the screen. It says these words, verse number 12 through 20. If you want to turn in your Bibles with me, you can. But I believe they're important to understand what I'm about to share this morning. And it says, the message that we preach is Christ. Are you mad? Are you? She's not happy? I need to hold it closer to my mouth? Oh. Thank you, Amy. For making your husband do something he was very uncomfortable doing. Because my dad was unwilling to do it. I know more interruptions, please, okay? 
So you want me to hold it like this? So the message we preach is Christ, who has been raised from the dead. So how could any of you possibly say there is no resurrection of the dead? For if there is no such thing as a resurrection from the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, all of our preaching, every single church you've been to, every single message you have heard, all of our preaching has been for nothing, and your faith is useless if Christ did not die and raise from the dead. It's still happening, isn't it? Yep. Okay, so it wasn't my hand. Everybody know that? It was not my hand. Actually, I had a, uh, a headset for the first time, and I chose not to go with it. I told Dan back there, it's like having golf clubs and playing for the first time. You know, it's just not going to go well. So if I have another mic, somebody can bring it to me, but I'm going to keep on going. Moreover, if the dead are not raised, that would mean that we are false witnesses who are misrepresenting God. And that would mean that we have preached a lie, stating that God raised him from the dead, if in reality he didn't. If the dead aren't raised up, that would mean that Christ has not been raised up either. And if Christ is not alive, you are still lost in your sins and your faith is a fantasy. It would also mean that those believers in Christ who have passed away have simply perished. If the only benefit of our hope in Christ, I said no interruptions. I did, I did. All right, is this one working? All right, turn it up, Dan. All right, here we go. Just so my grandma and grandpa can hear. <laughs> it would also mean that those believers in Christ who have passed away have simply perished. If the only benefit of our hope in Christ is limited to this life on earth, think about that. If our only benefit of our hope in Christ is limited to this life on this earth, we deserve to be pitied more than all others. But the truth is that Christ is risen from the dead. He is the first fruit of a great resurrection harvest of those who have died in him. And so I'm aware that before me sits individuals who come from many walks of life. Many different stories are in this room and many different pasts. And some of you are filled to the brim, I know this to be true, with pain and struggle and disappointment because of how life has gone. And there's others in this room are filled with happiness and joy. And that's why the Bible says something that I think is so, so amazing. It says, mourn with those who mourn and rejoice with those who rejoice. And I mourn with you today if you're, you're struggling, but I know that God is going to infuse hope in your life. And those who can come in here rejoicing because life is going great and because Christ is risen, I rejoice with you just as well. But I, we at New Day have made a commitment long ago to meet people right where they are at. Depressed, angry, frustrated, hurt, confused, whatever it is, we are willing to meet you right where you're at with no hoops, no strings, nothing that you need to do just to come and to be who you are. Because if we start pretending, what are we doing? And to realize that what Christ infuses us with, with grace and hope and faith, is no longer pretending. He gives us all a new life. 
And some of you in this room are distant from God and others gladly seeking after him. But I want to reassure you of these things that regardless of your past, regardless of where you've come from and what you have done and where you have been, God also wants to meet you right where you are. And for so many years you have heard religion tell you, man, if you want God, just clean yourself up. If you want God, change this. If you want God, start talking like this. If you want God, start to look better. When in fact God goes, no, 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 don't do any of that because the outward is not what I'm interested in. I want to change the inward. So I'm going to meet you right where you're at. And that's the hope of the gospel is that we were stuck in a pit that we couldn't get out of. And God says, no, 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 I'm not going to even blame you for being in there. I'm going to come and meet you right where you are. And I'm going to transform your life so that you can go and meet somebody else right where they're at. And I'm not here as a pastor to try and change you or try to fix your life. Honestly, I'm here to welcome all of you and to love you right where you are and to share with you the words that I believe come from God's heart. Because it's by His words that we're transformed. It's by His words that we're set free from the challenges that we face. And it's by His words that we actually achieve victory in this life. So as you listen to my words today, all I ask is that you would open up your heart to put down some of those religious walls that you have when you walk into a church while you've been here for 30 years or in church for 30 years or you're coming for the very first time. Just put the walls down for a moment and allow God to speak to you. Allow the words that he's now sharing through me to speak to you. And all God asks is that we just allow him to do so, that we give him the allowance to say, God, I want to hear your voice. I've never heard it or maybe I haven't heard it for many years or many months and I want to know if you're real. And this morning will be a day to remember. For some of you in this room, you'll hear maybe for the very first time the good news that is known as the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you'll be introduced to a God that you may not recognize or maybe nobody ever shared with you before. I pray that you see God in a different light today. Not as some very, very angry being that sits on some big throne and he's just ready to pounce on us when we make a mistake or he's rejected us because we weren't good enough. For others, this message, hopefully the words that I speak to you today, I pray that they will revive and resurrect what is dead and dormant in your life. That there's purposes. There's a call on every single one of your lives. There's giftings that are inside of you that God placed in you before you were born. And he gave you a reason to live. And I pray that the words that I share today will resurrect and will cause those very things to be alive again in your hearts. But either way, I believe God is going to do something mighty in your life today. In your hearts and in your life. And so this morning I'm filled with great expectations of what God is attempting to infuse, to inject into us today. And I believe he's taking all of us, especially if you've been coming to New Day for any amount of time, that he's taking us on a journey of discovery, of discovering who he is for us. He is our Abba Father. 
Because when we started this church, I just realized, man, so many people saw God as an angry, very upset judge and that Jesus was protecting us from this angry God. But I want to remind you that God is your father, which makes us his children, his beloved children. The very words he spoke over Jesus, that you are my beloved, is the same words that he speaks over all of us. You are my beloved. And so you look at yourself in the mirror and you realize, wait, how can God say he loves me? How can God call me his beloved? Because you're his. No matter what you've done and where you've been and what you've said and things that you've said against God, God is saying, you are my beloved and I love you and I'm here to meet you today. And so sometimes we are overwhelmed by life. Anybody ever been there before? That the waves of disappointment seem to keep on crashing into our boat, the endless problems, maybe debilitating illnesses or trouble with other people can cause us to lose hope, can cause us to feel depressed, and even despair can set in. But I want you to know this today. And what I'm about to share is not just a great bumper sticker statement, but Christ is enough. He is enough. He is your source of all joy. He is your source of all peace. He is your source of all hope. And when we realize that he is the source and that we are branches and he is the vine, we can realize that everything I need, everything I need comes from Christ and Christ alone. And so whatever our circumstances, I am convinced of this truth that Jesus is present with his love, with his compassion, and with his grace. So whether you're, you're, and we shared it many months ago, whether you're a girl or guy who is in the corner of a room, depressed, not sure about life, disappointed, God is present there with his love and with his compassion and with his grace. And maybe you're over here and you're like, man, Jesus is alive, man. This is awesome. Life is good. He's like, Justin, or whoever it is, are you ready to go love somebody who doesn't experience my love? That he is always present with his love and his compassion and his grace. And he cares deeply for all of us today. You, he cares deeply today. And he knows your pain. He knows the questions that go around in your mind and around in your heart. And he knows how hard it's been for so many of you that you're ready to give up. Listen to these words. It comes from David, Psalms 139. Just listen to them. They'll be on the screen just as well. But David writing these, can you imagine what filled his heart when he wrote these? You know my sitting down and my rising up. I want you to see the intimacy of a God that is not distant from us in these words. He's talking about God in a relational perspective. He says, God, you know when I sit and you know when I'm rising up. You understand all my thoughts from afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and you are acquainted with all of my ways. That's the God that you serve. That's the God that maybe you're not familiar with or nobody's ever introduced you to a God that knows that understands, that comprehends, and that is acquainted with every single one of your steps, of your thoughts. He goes on to say later in that chapter, he goes, he knows the number of hairs on our head. And that 
if we thought about all the thoughts that he has to us, we, we could not even go to the, sand, uh, the, the, the shores of the sea and go count all the sand and go, that's how much he thinks. He thinks about you way more than that. And I'm here to tell you or remind you that God loves you. Like, I know that's such a simple statement, but I want to, you to know God loves you like he cares deeply about you. And it's the essence of the gospel in those simple words that love has found a way. That when we rejected God and we rejected and went on our own way of life and we started to live by our own rules and our own strength, God said, man, I love those people so much. They are my sons and my, they are my daughters and they are lost and I will find a way to bring them back into relationship with me. And that's why the famous verse, and sometimes it gets overlooked because we see it so often. For God so hated the world that he... I just want to see if anybody's listening. It didn't say God hated. It didn't say God was so frustrated with the world. God was so angry with the world. God was so done with the world. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave. That he found a way because of love. He said, I'm going to find a way to bring back my son and my daughter to their rightful place. And it says that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now look at this. For God did not send his son, where? Into the world to what? Condemn the world. Jesus did not come to go condemn, stupid, liar, dumb, idiot, da, da, da. He didn't come there. He came to what? He who believes in him is not condemned. I want to give you good news today that Jesus did not come because God was angry. Jesus came because God loved. And Jesus did not come to condemn you. Jesus came to save you from the very thing that has condemned you in the eyes of God. And that's good news. That every single day I can wake up and say, man, that news is just as good today as it was yesterday. That I am not condemned because I believe upon the Son and he who believes is not condemned. So love found a way for, me to feed, for, for us to be forgiven. Love found a way to bring us back into a perfect relationship with God. Love found a way to redeem all of us back to who we are as sons and daughters. I just want to make this statement real quick. If you went to go buy a used car and that used car was worth $10,000, how many would pay more than $10,000 for that used car if it was a junker? Nobody would go, you know what, I'm just going to give you 12. You know what, actually, no, no, 15. Now, actually, you know what, take 24 because that's all I have. No, you'd be like, I'll take seven for it, right? Or maybe eight at the max, but I'm not taking the, the number that you have. And yet God looked at us, and how many of us think we're worthless? And God looked at us and he goes, man, what, what, what can I prove to them how valuable they are? Man, I'm going to give my best. I'm going to give the, the blood of my only begotten son for every single one of them so that never for one day, for one moment, one minute of your life would you ever have to go, God, am I worthy enough? He says, you know how worthy you are? I gave my best. I gave the blood of my son for you, the precious blood of my son I gave to you to prove how valuable you are to me. That's good news. And so love found a way where there is no other way, no other option. We owed a debt that we could not pay. We served a law that we would never, ever measure up to. 
And as I read through the scriptures and have done so for many years, I realize more and more that each page, every single word in this book contains a thread of God's redemptive love for his people. That the the prophetic words were going out that he's going to find a way to bring his people back to him. He is madly in love with his people, with you. And he loves you deeply and relentlessly. But I know this to be true is that God's love for us was never meant to keep us from tough times. Because if you believe if God loved me, then why would I go through this? You start to miss out on the love of God. It's the love of God that gives you the strength to handle those tough times. It's not to protect you from every single bad thing that could happen in your life. That's not how God operates. He loves us so that that love would give us the strength to push through those times of difficulty when we feel like quitting. And God's love declares to us today, I want you to see this on the screen. I will never stop loving you. I want you to hear the Father saying this over your life, whether you've been a believer for many years or maybe you've never even believed in God. I will always have your best in mind. I will always believe the best about you and I will always be with you during the moments, the tough moments and the good moments. That's God's love of declaration to all of us is that I will always be with you. I will always think the best about you because you are my son and you are my daughter. And I will always be in those moments, whether you're going through a tough time or going through a great moment. He is relentless in loving all of us, and he has done everything to set us up to have a relationship with him. And that's why John 14, 6, Jesus said these words as he was uh, talking to his disciples. He said, I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life. Not a way, not a truth, not a life. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. He says, no one will go where? To the Father, not to heaven. Sometimes we misunderstand this whole thing that God sent Jesus so that we could now be in heaven. That's the end result. But the ultimate goal is that Jesus brought us back to who? To the Father. So that now I have a relationship with God that once was breached because of my sin, and now I get to actually access him every single day because of Jesus. Amen? And so I'm not striving to earn something with God. I'm just learning how to receive what he has freely given to me, and now I'm responding to his love. And how many of us for so many years, man, just... Just work so hard in trying to earn God's love. God, I'll be better next time. God, if you just help me through this, I'll start serving you and I'll start, I'll start reading my Bible and I'll start giving more. And God's like, you don't exchange with me for my love. My love actually transforms you so that you can be what I called you to be. And now we get to just respond to what God has freely given to us. And without being corny, God is offering to all of us a new day. That was branding right there. He's offering us a fresh start in this room, no matter whether you've been a believer or not a believer yet. He's offering a fresh start for us. A new outlook on life, his outlook, how he sees life, empowered by his spirit. So that, get this, so that life no longer dictate, dictates how you are, but truth now does. No longer because I feel condemned and I feel guilty and I feel, I feel ashamed that that's who I am. When truth now dictates who I am, 
which God says, you are my accepted and you are my beloved and I have chosen you, have adopted you and I call you my own. Now I allow what God has said to take precedence in my life. Would you look with me at Luke chapter 15? It won't be on the screen. I believe it's one of the greatest gospel stories in the Bible, in my own personal opinion. And as we look at this passage, verse number 11, Luke 15, all I'm going to ask is that you put yourself in the story of the young man known as the prodigal son. For just a moment, I want you to kind of put yourself in his shoes and walk his journey with him a little bit, and it might resonate with many of you in this room. In verse 11, it says these words. This is a parable that Jesus is speaking. He says, Then he said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of the goods that is actually fallen to me as your son. So the father divided his livelihood to both of them. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there he wasted his, his possessions with prodigal living. And when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land. And he began to be in lack. I want you to see this because you realize you just got an inheritance from your father. Now, please, just get this. This is what your father worked for his entire life. So I am reaping the benefits of what my father labored for. I received the inheritance and now I'm going to a far country and I spent all that I have on just living the way that I want to live according to my own rules and according to my own strength. And then when he had spent all he had and he had nothing left over, what happened to the land? A famine hit that land and he began to be in lack. Now realize this, his dad has everything he would need to not be in lack. But yet he's in a place of lack in his life. And it says this, And he went and he joined himself to a citizen of that country that he was in. And that man sent him into the fields for work, for labor, to feed the, the swine. And it says these words, that he would gladly have filled his own stomach. So this is just talking about the, the uh, seriousness of what he was facing off with. It says that he would have gladly filled his own stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself... He came to his mind and he, he said these words. He said, how many of my fathers, now watch what happens, because this has happened to so many of us, is that we walked away from God and now we realize, man, I want to go back to God, but I can't go back of who I used to be. So I'm going to try to find a way to ease my way in because I'm unworthy to be what? His son. And I watch this happen to so many believers, even though they go to church, is that they're, they're, they're back with God, but they're not fully in because they're like, God, just make me, I'm just one of your servants. You're really hired. You know my past, and my past is going to keep me from really allowing you to embrace me. And so they lost something because of the way that they lived. So in this story, his past is about to define him. 
His past is about to tell him how his relationship with his father should be from now on. So he says, how many of my father's hired servants, they have bread enough to spare, and I perish here with hunger? Ah, I got an idea. I'll rise, I'll go to my father, and I'll say these words to him. Father, I have sinned. Watch this. I have sinned before heaven and before you. Therefore, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Huh. How many of us live our life like that? I have sinned before God. I am no longer to be called your beloved. Justin, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've thought. You don't know what I did to that person. You don't know what I've done in my past. I am no longer for God to love me. And so we allowed what we did. We allowed our past. We allowed our sin now to define how he gets to love us. Now look at this. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of just your hired servants. So this was the script that he had in his mind. And he arose and he came to his father. But when he was what? A still far off. What did his father do? Guys, please get a picture of God toward all of you. Did he have to meet his father where his father was or did his father meet him right where he was? And so his father saw him from a distance and he sees all of us from a distance at some point in our life. He sees us and he goes, oh, that's my boy. That means he dropped whatever it is and he was waiting for him to come back. And he saw him and he took off Running, how dignified is that for a father to go running after a son who just literally spent everything that he wants or everything that he had and wanted nothing to do with the father and yet the father said, he will not dictate how I love that boy because he is my son. And you cannot dictate how God loves you. He is relentlessly in love with you. He is passionately pursuing after you. And so the father... Keep on going. You're, oh, we don't even have that on the screen. Luke chapter 15. He kept on running after him. Look at what it says here. Uh, da, da, da. Still, his father saw him, had compassion. He ran and he fell on his neck and he kissed him. And the son said, here's the script. How many, have, how, how many times do we do this? Hey, I'm going to talk to God about how bad I am and how this and how about this and how about this. Now watch what he does. He goes, and the father, or he said to his son, said to his father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. <laughs> and the father ignored him. <laughs> I absolutely love that. And his father, it says this, and his father said to his servants. Think about that. I mean, you've been waiting this whole time. You just blew everything. You know your dad is just going to be absolutely upset because that's the picture he had of his father. And so he's probably coming from a long off. He sees his father running, probably thinks he has a shotgun behind him or whatever they had back then. And he sees him running at him. And I'm sure he's like, oh my gosh, what is he about to do? He's about to tackle me. And he loved him. And he goes, okay, dad, I have something I've been saying in my mind for a while. Uh, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against heaven. And I'm not worthy and his dad's like, hey, servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him 
because we're going to break the shame and the guilt and the condemnation that's on his life because he believes he's not worthy to be my son. Oh, watch what I'm going to do. Get the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring me the fatted calf here. Kill it and let us, let us eat and be merry. Because that's what God does for every single one of you that feel like you've blown it, you've missed it, that God is done with you, that you are not worthy to receive his love. He'll go, hey, hey, Jesus, you died for them, right? Okay, man, let's give them the best. Give them my peace. Give them my joy. Give them my, the robe of righteousness so that they could rise up and be the sons and daughters that they already are. That you don't have to go be a good Christian. This is not what this is about. We're not trying to be good Christians in here. We're trying to be sons and daughters that have been redeemed and forgiven of our sins so that we can live the way that God has called us to live. So two thoughts I want to close off with tonight. Van, you don't need to come up just yet. Forgiveness has been granted to you, which means this, because think about this. If Somebody, and I know it's a crude statement, but if somebody raped somebody and they were brought to the court system and the judge said, um, you know what, I'm I'm real compassionate judge. I'm just going to forgive them. What would you say? You, I demand what? So God can't just forgive us. Somebody had to pay. There had to be justice that was fulfilled. And so Jesus said, I am willing to go and pay for the justice and the wrath that they deserve so that they can go free. And now God goes, forgiven, 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 forgiven. Every single day I can wake up and go, I am forgiven. Which means this, I owe God nothing. I just get to receive his forgiveness and I become a man who can now forgive others. I receive his love and I can become a man of love. It's by receiving that we can freely give. So forgiveness has been granted, meaning that he looked at Jesus and he looked at the lamb and he goes, that is perfect. Therefore, I can forgive every single one of them that would receive. Forgiveness, when we receive it, means this. Are you ready for this? You are no longer guilty before God. Your past is remembered no more. You no longer are guilty before God. He is no longer your judge, but your father. You are no longer distant from God. He's brought you near. And he placed by Jesus, by the spirit of God on the inside of you, if you've received Christ. And I love this. You are no longer an orphan searching for a family and a home. Wondering how you're going to make it and self-preserving yourself and self-protecting. No, I realize he's my father. He's my shepherd. And I can just allow him to lead me and to guide me because he's always good. Amen? So forgiveness means that I can now have a relationship with God that I couldn't have without Christ. It means that I have hope for tomorrow. And it means that I have this new ability to love God and to love others. So not only has forgiveness been granted, but freedom has also been granted freedom from self. That's huge. Uh, sorry, that was a Trump thing, but uh, freedom from self. And this is what I love about 
what we understand about the gospel is that when they were trying to follow Jesus, he stopped them. He said, unless you would deny yourself. Many of us think denying ourselves is, you know what? I really want that candy bar, but I'm going to say no. Or I really want to knock that person's lights out, but I'm going to say no. Or I really want to uh, fall in that temptation, but I'm going to say no. And so we try to stop ourselves from sinning. No, denying of yourself is saying, you know what? I'm no longer going to be the center of my universe. I'm going to allow Jesus to be that. And so I'm going to trust what Jesus did, not how well I do it. And so when I'm free, now listen to this, when I'm free from myself, I can now be free from others so I can love them freely. So no longer do you, any of you in this room, dictate how I'm going to respond to you because I'm free from you. Because I'm free from self, so I no longer have a right to be hurt, no longer have a right to be mad at you and angry and hold a defense against you. Why? Because I've been set free. Isn't that good news? And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom. There's liberty in Jesus Christ. And not only am I free from self, but I'm also free from the power of sin. Sin is not just waiting for me to happen. I'm not just going to sin tomorrow, sin tomorrow, sin tomorrow, and I'm just going to do it because I'm human. Man, I'm free from the power of sin. That means sin no longer is my master. It no longer tells me you will do this today. You will act toward that person today. You will say this to that person today. You will pick up that middle finger and point it at that person today. Because it's not my master anymore. I'm now under a new master, which is Jesus. And I'm free from hell. That's good news. I'm no longer condemned to hell. I now have a right to be a son and to go to heaven. So it's not a liberty to do as your old man and who you want. It's not a liberty to live that way. You're now free to live for God. Before, when you're in chains and you're, when you're shackled up, you're not free to live for God. How many have tried to be a better Christian and just failed two weeks later? I'm sorry, two hours later. And you're like, oh man, I'm just trying to get over this anger issue. I'm just trying to get over this and I'm just trying to get... It's not what Christianity is about. It's not about making you better. It's not about, hey, this, make, do this and don't say this and look this way and don't watch this and don't do that. No, it's about a new life that has been given to you so that you can live as though Jesus was living through you. And that's why Paul says, for I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ now lives in me. And the life that I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me when he gave himself for me. Amen? Amen. It's a freedom to live. I got a picture of this uh, about a year ago of a prison cell. And the bars and the door is shut. And we're sitting in there on a bench like this, just like, oh my gosh. And we say that Jesus is our Lord, but we're still bound by something. We say that, man, I want to, I, God, I just want to be a better Christian. And we're still sitting in that prison. And I got a picture that that door had no lock on it. And yet we were still, God, set me free. God, free me from this and free me from this and free me from this. And I just hear God saying back, the door is open. You are free. And then as we open the door, we're about to step out and, we're, and we hear the enemy go, wait, you don't deserve that. You'll, you'll just be right back in here tomorrow. You're not free from that. You'll never be free from that. You'll always struggle with that. And so we simply just close the bar, sit down and go, God set me free today. And we're frustrated because we're not walking in the freedom that is rightfully ours, that by faith I bust out those doors and say, I am free to live for God. 
Because how many of us are scared that we're just going to sin and ruin this thing? No, I'm free to live for God because the Spirit of God dwells on the inside of me. Listen to this, Galatians 5.1. This one will be on the screen. It says, let me be clear, and we're almost done. Jesus, I know you ladies are so ready. Jesus has set us free, not partially, but how? Free. Completely and wonderfully free. We must always cherish this truth and stubbornly refuse to go back into the bondage of our past. You are free completely. And we must refuse to go back where we, we feel like we deserve to go back to. That is not who you are. The son that came back is no longer a prodigal son. He is a beloved son of the father who now has his son back. And if he always sees himself as a prodigal, he'll always keep going back to his past. But we have been set free. Amen? And so the liberation that Christ brings is real. Rachel and David, you guys can come up. It's complete. It's absolute. But each of us in this room are in the process of coming into the fullness of that freedom. John 8, 32 says, For if you embrace the truth, it will release freedom into your lives. So stand fast in your newfound freedom today. Receive Christ and rise up and be in the son and daughter of God that he's calling you to be and plant your feet firmly in the freedom that is rightfully yours, that Christ has won for you and I. And do not let yourselves be caught again into the shackles of who you used to be because I'm here to tell you today that Jesus died on the cross three days ago. Today, he rose again in the power of the Holy Spirit and that power now sets you free so that you could now just receive what God did for you. And maybe you've never done that. Maybe you've never received Christ in all that he has done for you and why he's done it for you because God is not saying, hey, hey, come with all these other miserable Christians and let's just try to become better Christians. That's what I feel like is so often is like, how you doing, brother, man? I'm just trying to serve God, but man, I feel so far away. I'm sure he's ticked off at me. Hey, you want to be a Christian? Hey, you want to be a Christian? Yeah, what do you, oh, you get to go to heaven, but life on here is really miserable. No, no, God goes, man, I want to infuse you with my life. I want you to know how much I love you, that it's endless and it's relentless, and that I will transform you. So this is not about going to heaven. It's not about being better. It's about being transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. That when he created us, he said, I've created them in my image. And because of our sins, we lost sight of that. We were taught by the world that we are now sinners and we, 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 we no longer have God who wants, our, wants us in his life. But God's like, I redeemed you back to be my son and daughter. And so all you do is receive this morning. And so as Rachel and David sing this next song, I'm going to ask Joe and John to come up. They're going to usher communion. Where is Joe and John? Oh, there they are. I was like, they bailed on me. I was going to pick two new people. Yep. And I'm just going to ask during this next song that you would come up and receive communion. And maybe it's your first time ever hearing these words and going, God, I want that. God, I just want what Christ did on my behalf because that's what he did it for. And maybe you just at your seat, just receive. And so would you please stand with, the, stand with me this morning? You guys can grab the baskets. At any time during the song, feel free to come down the aisle. No pushing, no shoving, please. 
Father, I just pray in Jesus' name for every person in this room that you are able by my words to meet them right where they're at. For those who don't know you, have never received you and the fullness of who you are, I just pray that, Father, they would do that right at their seat and just receive your grace and your mercy and your goodness. And so as we receive communion, we understand that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us and it was your body that was broken for us, Lord. And so we receive the covenant that is brand new based upon better promises today. And so we receive it with confidence and with great joy knowing that we are your beloved and you are our Abba Father. And we celebrate your risen Savior today. In Jesus' name, amen. So as they sing, feel free to make your, come on, let's give Jesus one more praise offering.